Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who knows that all football games end with a choreographed song and dance routine. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. I mean, if they were televised, I might be a little more interested. <laughs> uh, one of the weirdest sequences of that movie, but we'll save that till we get there. And as we're in Absit Moa, Andrew programs the show in the month of April. I'm going to let you do this intro. What uh, is going on here? Uh, we watched The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, um, which is a show that's it's a movie that's been on my list for a long time. And anytime I can check a movie off my list and take copious notes on it, I'm there. So I figured it's, you know, we're gearing up in the months leading up to the Tonys. Let's watch a musical, get a little fun, a little jazzy. Um, Also, America's Sweetheart, Dolly Parton. That's right. Well, we watched The Best Little Horror House in Texas, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your chicken. Something's gotta be done about your chickens. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So I wanna say right off the bat, obviously we've talked before how I'm not generally wild about musicals, which is true. You have a couple um, favorites, if, although you like singing in the rain is like your jam, which to me feels like the most classic musical theater musical of all time. So you're like, I don't generally care for musicals unless it's a Gene Kelly extravaganza about the origination of musical movies. <laughs> you're like, okay. I, I well, what, what I was, what I was, what I was building toward there was to say, but I found that I appreciate a musical film more than a musical on the stage, which is a weird, unusual thing. Why do you think that is? I don't know, but I love the Blues Brothers, which we've talked about before. I think is a musical. You quibble, but that's fine. No, I, I uh, agree. If, as long as there's, very... as long if there is music that is presented in a way that you know furthers the story in some way, that's a musical, and the Blues Brothers does that. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I feel like for whatever reason, musical films hit me a little better than uh, musicals on stage, and I think it's because it's and I know this is what I'm about to say is going to sound, what I'm about to say is going to sound even crazier, but like there's an insanity tucked into a reality that I can get behind, and this movie is like so quintessentially perfect for that because the base reality of this movie is absolute nonsense. I mean. It's crazy. And then you find out that it's almost entirely true. So it's this really delicious soup of nonsense. And and I mean that very complimentarily. But the other thing I wanted to say was we often say on this show, who is this movie for? And this is like a perfect example of who is this movie for? Because it's a boob comedy. (laughs) But it's like a lot of female nudity. So it's a boob comedy with singing and country western theme and also sports and also Burt Reynolds who's like the manliest man's man actor of the 80s. I feel like it was a competition between him and Magnum PI slash Blue Blood's dad. Yeah. Uh, grandfather. What's his name? Yeah. What's his Tom name? Selleck. Tom Selleck. Thank you. I feel like they were competing to be like 
the mustachiest mustache of the 80s. Yeah, absolutely. But I, honestly, this movie has a surprising lack of nipples. Like, you would have expected the movie about the Texas whorehouse to have way more nipples than it actually does. I mean, there's a lot of nipples in this movie, my friend. <laughs> like, if like if a 14-year-old boy stumbled across this movie on pay cable, he would have been very happy with it. There's a lot of naked women. That scene where... We're, we'll get to this, but the scene where they, like, bust in with the cameras, there's, like, ten topless women in a row in, like, a minute. Yeah, but most of them most of them are, like, covered or, like, turned in a way that you just see, like, side boob. I didn't see it. Like, I feel like uh, there weren't as many, like... Did you watch a different cut? Because like, I was, like, Slumber Party astounded massacre. at how much nudity there was. I mean, to be fair, my rip was a little grainy, so I might have... It might have just been... I might not noticed it because of how grainy everything was, but I felt like... Okay. In a... In that sense, I would have been like, oh, there's just all nipples. Just, like, all across the movie is just nipples in every scene. <laughs> there were... You... Okay. I, I Clearly, it's an error with your film, the version you watched. Because it was like, I'm not kidding. There's, like, 15 nipples in this. Like, 15 distinct nipples. I'm going to have to rewatch again. Because I, I, I missed... I must have missed that. Because <laughs> mostly it was just women anyway. in, like, sexy lingerie fan kicking yes but then there's there's several scenes where the women get like burst in upon and they like are standing there topless there's there's one sequence where one guy is in bed with two different topless women i remember that's I mean, that's four right there <laughs> well six if you count him we're not we won't dive in to the minutiae of this scene yet <laughs> but let's let's start at the beginning so go ahead and take it away so the costumes in this movie are everything like tip to tails, every costume piece tells a story and like is amazing. <laughs> and Dolly Parton wears the best ones. I'm gonna say that um, she does, and frequently her poor costumes are just clinging for dear life. They are. I mean, they are. They are really. It's like the buttons on her blouses and dresses and lingerie are just like. Listen, men, we got a tough day ahead of us. We're going to hold the line and we're going to let these troops come over on top of us and get in there and do the job because we have to hold everything together. It's all down to us. That is what I picture the sentient version of her outfit doing because as everybody knows, Dolly is very enhanced in the chest and these outfits are just like thread clinging, holding for dear life. Yeah, and it's funny because in a lot, I felt like in the beginning dance sequences, I was like, she's out, like out boobing all of these girls, like ten to one. <laughs> At least the dancers in the beginning. So I was like, that's an interesting thing I never noticed about the, about like I would never have expected. Um, but the conceit of the movie is that there is a whorehouse that's been running since like 1910, and everyone knows about it and is super cool with it. So I liked how sex positive like, the general populace of this movie was to be like, oh, that's the whorehouse. Like, that's just the town whorehouse, and who really gives a shit if people go there because no one's getting hurt. Um, And it's even crazier that this is a true story. This is a real place that existed in Texas, and people in Texas were just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, And it got to a point where, like, the depression hit, so people started paying in chickens for sex. So they got so many chickens, it became known as the Chicken Ranch. Which, coincidentally, is how a lot of adult actors explain, like, talk about the show in front of their children. Uh, my friend, Lauren, uh, who has kid, it was a mom with kids, we were talking once about, because uh, we are like, oh, do your kids see a lot of your shows? And she was like, 
Uh, I haven't been in a whole lot that they can see. She was in Into the Woods, so she's like, they're going to come to the little kid Just Act 1 version. Because she was like, yeah, I've done this show, this show, and I've done, you know, the Chicken Ranch show. And we were all like, oh, you did Whorehouse. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, we just didn't call it that to my girls who were like, I don't know, six and eight. And she was like, we just called it the Chicken Ranch show. <laughs> well, uh, the movie starts with Gomer Pyle, Jim Neighbors, who is most famous for playing Gomer Pyle. He is. He narrates the whole movie, and honestly, he is the absolute MVP of this movie. And oh, I'm, he's a joy. I, I say that. Yeah, like Dolly Part. This I really uh, uh, spoilers for the end of the podcast. I really genuinely enjoyed this a lot, and I was not expecting to. Like, I really, I did enjoy this movie quite a bit. Um, but Jim Neighbors, every time he comes on screen, has like a great line or a great line reading or a great facial expression that really pulls something together. And he obviously played a very similar character in everything he ever did, sort of a dumb bumpkin type, but he's so, so good in this movie. And so we get this like opening narration explaining the story that you just told. And he, uh, he picks up a stereoscope like uh, from the 1910s or 20s or whatever it was. That and you might remember from the first things, scene of the Carousel of Progress. That you might recognize if you've seen the first scene of the Carousel of Progress. <laughs> yes. Uh, they're like a 3D single image that people would look at. And I guess there were lewd ones as well. But every time I see these things, all I imagine is, and I know we've talked about this before, how spoiled we are in the modern era for entertainment. But like, could you imagine like a bunch of adults got together in a room and looked at a picture through like a tiny binoculars? They looked at a viewmaster. Yeah. <laughs> they looked at a viewmaster like for entertainment, like a bunch of adults put on some phonographs and they looked at pictures together. Uh, I'm so glad we are alive when we are alive. I, yeah, that is that is some roof stoof in terms of entertainment. Yeah, but we go to the brothel, and then one of the things that he says is fathers would take their sons, and that's just absolutely the grossest thing to me. Like, of all the male bonding activities that exist, this is the worst one. It super is, but I feel like it's a weird trope that has thankfully been abandoned in a lot of, like entertainment like mediums but i feel like that was a like a trope of like oh the dad wants to teach his son about the birds and the bees so he hires him a prostitute like that feels like a thing that i was we've seen i feel like we saw it in an 80s movie on the show and i can't remember which one i can't remember a movie offhand that we've done but i mean it's pops up all over the place it's even a joke on 30 rock with uh liz's brother who's thinks it's 1985 or something like that and has a head oh that's right on the show but when he finally, you know, spoilers for a 30 Rock episode, I guess, when he finally realizes what year it is, his dad's like, I'm going to take you to the, I think he may says something about a hen house or chicken house. I think he calls the brothel something weird, but he's like, I'm going to take you there. But yeah, it's, it's also, I mean, it has to happen for real in some places, right? Like, I guarantee this is not a f- something that they made up for this movie, but I just can't even imagine the, 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 com- how do you have a conversation on the way to that place with your dad? I- I don't know. They have to, you have to have a very different relationship with your father than we had with ours. Gross one. I mean, a very gross one is this, is that. But the, there, there is a maid, um, or a housekeeper maid at the chicken ranch, and her name is Jewel, and she is just a delight in every scene. I wanted more she of her. She is really fantastic. She, like, yeah, everyone, too. like, in the first big dance number ends, the sort of, like, the Belle and Beauty and the Beast number where you learn the whole 
thing of like everyone hates Belle. Like this is the number that teaches you the world of the show, and you get it. <laughs> like your opening number. Fuck that girl. She reads books. No, here goes Belle singing her daily mean song about the whole town. That is true. That's, Belle is kind that's of the, a shithead. The, the, the subtext that we don't talk about, but sometimes Belle can be a shithead. Did you listen to the new episode of Dissecting the 80s where they clowned on Belle from Beauty and the Beast for no reason when they were talking about the best little whorehouse in Texas? And also spoiled an episode of 30 Rock? Yeah, it's like a very weird intro. Um, the, all the dudes leave and Jewel stands in the front porch and goes, y'all come back now, you hear? And they all run right back inside. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Uh, so we introduced to Sheriff Ed Earl, a chain. Bird Reynolds' character. Yes. Uh, no, I thought uh, uh, Jim Neighbors. No, was that's the, the end. Is that that's the passing yeah. the torch? Okay. Uh, so there's a mule that is sat upon a car, <laughs> and he strides up to this mule and like starts to talk to it as if it's a person doing something unreasonable, and then he whips out his pistol and shoots it in the air, and then the mule goes running off, and he's saved the day because he got it off this car. Yeah, they're like, he always believed in talking diplomatically first, but also had a horrible temper. Yeah! <laughs> and that's that's a really good, I will say, like, as far as screenwriting goes, really tight, concise intro to this character, because that's who he is for this whole movie. He, he wants to talk things out, and then he wants to punch you. Yeah, I was like, oh, I know everything about, I know this character right now. Got it. Good. Moving on. Perfect. Wrap it up. So eight minutes and twenty seconds into the movie, we get our first song, which I took as a. I mean, not we opened with a song, but I mean, for, song in because every movie we do practically opens with a song. That's true. They don't often have the characters singing it, so this is uh, eight twenty, and the the women of the brothel are all dressed like Spice Girls, basically. Yeah, it's very workouty. Uh, girl groupie, you're right. Um, this is also the song that I think Dolly changes the most in. She has like f- six or seven outfits in this four minute song, none of which th- she looks like she can breathe in. By the way, I mean they are no, but they are cinched. all fabulous. Each one just keeps getting <laughs> yes, better. They are the only way it would have been improved if they were tearaways to like reveal a different dress. Well, she could have done a tearaway just by taking a deep <laughs> breath. It just would, like, one big, and they're just not yeah. on anymore. I think that could have been easily But achieved. I'm talking about, like, going into a different dress. If she did that, then all of the yes. dresses are coming off. <laughs> Maybe there's, like, a spandex morph yeah. suit. Oh, underneath. there it is. Yeah, it's all, it's all stretched spandex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we didn't mention at the top, this is the same director as uh, 9 to 5, and he's also the guy who wrote Harold and Maude. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh so when they explain the town and its relationship to the brothel, one of the great lines that somebody has is, or sorry, one of Dolly's, I think it's Dolly's line is the cows really appreciate when the bulls go to another pasture, yeah. which again is like a very forward thinking ideal for uh, Texas in 1950 or it's 60. super sex positive. For, yeah. For eighties, Texas, which you think would be like the Bible beltiest, most conservative, puritanical nonsense but they're like no it's just the whorehouse and that's what people do whatever move on yeah what else would they do on a saturday right i wrote uh dolly and uptempo musical theater just makes sense to me like i just (laughs) i want more 
I also didn't mention, but is definitely noticed all throughout this, and not to rehash the whole thing we did before, but what did we decide it's called when like the hip line of the bottom is very high? Because I said high-waisted, and that is incorrect according to the fashion It is. It is high, it's not high-waisted. Um, yes. I feel like it's a high cut. There's, a, I think there is a, a okay. something cut, but I don't know what it is, so I just say a high cut. Well, every single lady in this movie has the 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 cut of these these bottoms of these lingerie outfits and whatever they're wearing are insane. Where it just it's, it's the bottom of your rib cage. like a, a one yeah, and, and it touches the bottom of your ribs is where the the top of the, the of it goes, and then by the time it's around your body, it's like a an inch and a half wide piece of fabric. Yeah, I also want Dolly's red convertible. She like strolls into town to car. donate money because she's. They're like they like hammer home the point. They're like she's the best person on the planet. She just ha- she basically is playing herself if she were running a brothel. She's like <laughs> donating <laughs> charities. She's a good person. Like she's the everyone loves her. She just happens to be a sex worker. So it's like oh that's why like people don't give a shit about this because she's awesome. And then she just drives away in her red convertible. It's very much the hooker with the heart of gold stereotype, mm-hmm. but because it's Dolly Parton, it doesn't feel as cliched and terrible. Yeah, exactly. And I will say this. I generally am not a huge Burt Reynolds fan, but he's incredibly charming in this movie. And he does a he, like the two of them have some really good chemistry. They're amazing together. together. Yeah. Because he looks a little too old for her. And in the first scene I had them together, when I saw, when we saw them together, I was like, man, he looks way too old for her, even though they're like 10 years apart. And I think like probably 40 and 30-ish in that. I think it was like upper 40s, upper 30s. And then like 20 minutes later, I was like, no, nah, these these two are great together. Like, it's fine. It's not even like, I mean, it's definitely a weird Hollywood thing. But yeah. it's also like, no, the chemistry is excellent. Yeah, they, they just have an adorable little relationship. And I think it's because they have such this like, sweet innocence about them that like sort of doesn't quite fit with the rest of this like super sexual sex positive world and then they're just like this very sweet little couple that is afraid to say they love each other but clearly does i also think it was a really good change apparently in the musical he slept with her once several years ago and just has a soft spot for her whereas in this they have a relationship and i think that makes a huge difference in i don't know how the the play ends versus this but or the musical rather but this to me makes so much more sense that they have like a continued ongoing relationship and they care for each other than just like, Oh, it's just this woman I slept with once and she's nice. So she should be fine. Yeah, I I agree. I think that was a smart change. Um, It makes sense. It also makes sense for like, we want this to be about Dolly and Bert for that reason that you would change that. It also makes sense from a logistical writing standpoint. If you want the movie to be like a vehicle for Bert and Dolly that you would rework that so that their characters have more meat to them yeah that's that's true too uh, also uh this is the highest grossing musical film of the uh, 1980s i thought it, hang on i thought it said it was fourth it did but i guess in f- something has it must have been re-released because i looked it up on box office mojo and it was actually the highest of the oh. 1980s well then so the the scene that you really kind of get a feel for their chemistry together dolly has bought some new lingerie and she's showing it off for mm-hmm. him shamelessly name dropping Fredericks of Hollywood. By oh the yeah. Way. And she hates uh, his straight boy underwear. Yeah. It's just, you know, tight boxer shorts. And she's like, no, no, I've got you these jockeys. They have like some sort of snap fastener or whatever. And she's like, Hey, put these on. And he's like, no. And she's like, all right, fine. I'll leave. <laughs> Which I was like, yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, like go Dolly. Fully in control of her sexuality. She's just like, look, it's my <laughs> weapon. So you, use it or lose it, buddy. <laughs> 
Well, also she's like, "Hey, look, I got this outfit for you. Put that thing on for me. Don't be, don't be a jerk. Just let's go." Um. Also, in terms of backstory for this movie. Uh, Willie Nelson was apparently supposed to play the Burt Reynolds part, which no. I think also would have been really good. I don't know that I would have. I feel I, I guess I'm picturing now Willie Nelson, and it's hard to like. <laughs> yeah, no, like your young handsome stranger Willie Nelson. I don't know. That, uh, interesting. Anyway, yeah, yeah, no, I, I I think it would be great, but I love Willie, so obviously a little biased. So anyway, he won't wear these jockeys, and they go back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth, and then. Eventually, he says, fine, I'll put on the jockeys and goes in the bathroom to do it. And then we find out the mayor is looking for Bert. Yes. Um, they also sing a really sing a really sweet song about how much they like sneaking around together because they're not really like, official. And she's under yeah. the impression that he's dating other women. And like she's like, yeah, that's I don't want anything. But like, I love you, but whatever. Um but he is kind of dating that other woman. It's weird. Like, he, he he's hanging out with that kid and watching football, and he's having, like, Thanksgiving dinner with him later. I would have so liked more really, clarity there. Yeah, because you'd think that means, like, if someone's coming over Thanksgiving dinner, it's, like, um, either it's a pity invite or there's a established relationship. Agreed. Um, and Dolly Parton, I just, her laugh, she has, like, the laugh of an angel, and I love it so much. <laughs> Like, as someone who just laughs so obnoxiously and just screams half the time, her sweet little angel squeak laugh is just heartwarming. <laughs> and I also love the conclusion of this scene where Jim Neighbors is explaining that the, the, the mayor wants him because these reporters are coming after the chicken ranch. Dolly, like, sneaks out of the house. And while Burt Reynolds is, like, dealing with this, she gives the underwear to Jim Neighbors and is like, oh, this is uh, the Japanese slingshot, because Burt called it that earlier. And Jim Neighbors is just like, oh, it's a Japanese slingshot, hey? <laughs> our Uber driver. But our Uber driver already sounds like Jim, like, it's very, it's in the vicinity of the Jim <laughs> I Neighbors. agree, I was just, call back. <laughs> it's not, the, <laughs> that is not the Uber driver. Just, for the record... Unless otherwise noted in this episode, any Uber driver <laughs> voice is Jim Neighbors' impressions and not the Uber driver. Yeah, she's uh, she's such a badass queen of just like I'm. He was like, "Don't move, I'm gonna go deal with this," and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's cute." Deuces, not gonna leave a note. <laughs> I got places to be. I got stuff to do. I am a businesswoman. So Dom DeLuise plays this reporter Melvin Thorpe, who is it's just so it's good. Perfect. And I, well, I forget. We, I forget what we watched with Dom DeLuise recently, Haunted but you hated him. No, oh, it's not yeah, that I have yeah. a problem with Dom DeLuise. And I had a problem with him being like him being in that movie in drag was a stupid, weird choice that made zero sense. His casting in uh, this yeah, I, is perfection. He has this horrible bowl cut Prince Valiant on. It's like very clearly like, Yeah, Prince Valiant. Prince Valiant, yes. And uh, we meet him as he's getting dressed for his show. He's invited Burt Reynolds to come down and he's putting on like a girdle and he's you know strapping up this crazy outfit that has like a, it goes over the top and then uh, there's a strap like under his crotch to hold it down tight and then he you know, puts the pants over it and he has Burt Reynolds to hand him those rolled up socks so he can stuff his pants oh. with it I mean it's just the this vain goof doofus is just you awesome. just want to punch him in the face and Dom DeLuise like knows it clearly knows it and just is playing this character pedal to the metal and he's basically doing an investigative reporter show, gotcha. which, like, in my mind, yeah, yeah, Joan Gotcha from Parks and Rec. But I, 
I'm thinking like, oh yeah, investigative reporter show. It's going to be like him sitting at a desk. Why is he wearing this outfit? And he's got like chorus dancers and a sparkly backdrop and he's doing the can can and he's throwing his hat and it's like, oh yeah, you're watching a musical. Yeah. (laughs) I was expecting it to be like at a desk, but he was dressed flashy because it was Texas and that was his shtick of like, hey, this is the news corner. Um but no, it was so much like it was like you described. It was like a Vegas show, um, yeah, full spangled glory. Because he tells Burt Reynolds, he's like, "Okay, I won't do a story on the chicken coop or the chicken ranch," and then walks on stage. Burt Reynolds is like watching from the wings behind glass, and he the first thing out of his mouth is like, he sings the song "Texas Has a Whorehouse" in it. And Burt Reynolds is like, "What?" <laughs> I also love the cutaway montage of people watching oh, them so great. Texas has a whorehouse in it. We, we go to like an old folks home and all these people are like fighting and then suddenly stopping and turning the TV. There's a robbery where the robbers literally stop the robbery to like look <laughs> at the TV in the window of a store. Uh, there's a nurse who's just like not doing her medical job very well because she's distracted. It's like a lot of really uh, great cutaways one after the other to, to reinforce how, Oh yeah, everybody knows this is happening. Yeah. I, I, that was such a great moment to really show that everyone show that, Oh no, no, we can't hide this anymore because it used to be sort of the town's little secret that wasn't a secret. But now that it's being brought to national attention, they feel they have to do something about it. Exactly, exactly. So it becomes this situation where the town's under pressure because people are now up in arms. Like, you can't have that here, even though it's existed there for forever and no one gave a crap before. Now it's a big deal. So Dolly is convinced that Bert's going to take care of Bert. It is, I was just confused. I was like, wait, is it Bert or Tom? It's Bert. <laughs> um. Mr. Burt Reynolds, as they said on the Golden Girls. Um, so Dolly is convinced that Burt's going to protect her because he always does. And they have this really sweet little moment by a, f- by a lake, by a fire. And it's just them kind of cuddling and talking about their lives and what they believe. And it's this wonderful relationship establishing moment. And it's it feels like it's culminating to the I love you. But then there's no payoff for that. And you're like, oh, just say it. <laughs> it's really a Chekhov's I Love You, which is the most ethereal Chekhov's I think we've ever had on the show. It is. Because I felt like in the first scene between them, they keep almost kissing and then at the last second turning away to like, oh, I have to brush my teeth yes. or something. And I kept, I was like, why is that? Is it like they won't kiss or, and then I was like, oh, the kiss is sort of establishing the love aspect of it, even though they do kiss later and that's not the sweet payoff, but it's like, oh, that's their sort of romantic hip- hiccup, everybody. Exactly. Uh, that's also the scene where we realize, where we learn that they are secretly monogamous. Because he, yes. she says, I've never been with a man other than you in, you know, X years or whatever. And he's like, I haven't been with another woman other than you in, in three years. And it's like, just say you love her! <laughs> yeah. I pictured you screaming at the TV while that yeah. was happening, by the way. Um, and then we also... I, I'm pretty sure Dolly Parton snuck her life motto into the movie when she says, if you see someone without a smile, lend them yours. And I'm like, yeah, that just feels like what Dolly Parton does on a Tuesday. <laughs> um, I don't want to get bogged down into it, but I did want to mention this. Dolly's brother was the architect behind this insane 
planned Dollywoody type place in Virginia. Uh-huh. And I highly encourage anybody out there who wants to hear a buck wild tale of a town wasting $25 million on thinking they'll become the next Branson, Missouri, uh, by looking up, uh, Rennick or Roanoke Rapids, Virginia, and the saga of the theater in Roanoke. It's spelled Roanoke. I've been told it's pronounced Rennick, but uh, Roanoke Rapids, Virginia, where her brother embezzled like $10 million. I feel like you told me about that. I did because I was like, you have to hear this story about Randy Parton. <laughs> Who would hire Randy Parton and be like, yeah, that's the guy. He can lead us to financial prosperity. Like, who is Randy Parton? Dolly's brother and bass player. Oh, there you go. Uh, Anyway, so we have this uh, showdown in town with Melvin Thorpe. You know, I was just thinking this. I don't know if it's because they say everybody's name in this movie a lot, but I remember character names for this movie, which is extremely uncommon Yeah, I, for I think me. it's because everyone has a, a long southern name, and you're just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So there's a big showdown where Melvin Thorpe's in town and Bruce – nope. <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Yeah, Bruce Campbell shows up. He starts punching people. No, um – Burt Reynolds is like, hey, get the hell out of here. And he calls him a little fat buddy at one point, which is just a very... Burt like, has some weird lines, very, like some weird insults. He does, yes. Uh, but he, they get into like a big, like a fist fight, basically, and he knocks him into a fountain and is like, he's like clutching at his wig, afraid it's going to fall off. And it's really kind of fantastic. And there's also this great moment where Melvin is trying to rally the townsfolk to tell him how much they hate the chicken ranch. And they're all like, no, no, like it's cool. <laughs> He's like, "Don't you yeah. hate this house of sin?" And they're all like, "Not really." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really delightful how they're just like nonplussed by this whole thing. What they're expected to be like, "No, this is awful," and they're like, "I don't know." It seems like fine to <laughs> like, me. In the remake of this movie, he would have had like plants in the crowd. He like would have bust in a group of people to hang out there Absolutely. and pretend that they were citizens outraged. Absolutely. And it would be played by Josh Gad. <laughs> it would be played by Josh Gad, actually. If they redid this, it would right? definitely be Josh Gad. Yeah, he would be good for it. It would be pretty perfect, actually. Mm-hmm. So Dolly and Bert go camping, uh, and it's like a very cowboy campsite where it's just you know a very sparse campfire and some seats around it, and they're basically just laying there looking up at the sky and talking. And Dolly has like perhaps my favorite line in the whole movie – where she basically says that if aliens don't have peckers, she's not interested in them. Yeah, it's a weird turn of events, I have to say. Yeah, and this is where the genesis of the idea that Burt Reynolds should run for political office starts, because he starts giving these sort of monologue speeches about, like, you know, hey, we should stand for something and do a thing, and you know, da-da-da-da-da, and, and, and she's like, you should run for office, Earl Ray. Uh, and so cut to the mayor of the town calling Burt Reynolds in a tizzy because he's on TV and Burt Reynolds didn't realize they were recording his out his like tirade. Yeah. It's really funny that everybody gets all upset that he swears on TV, but nobody gives a shit that there's a brothel. In yeah. Town. That's what they're it's all like ab- very selective. 80s beeping bleeping sounded really weird by the way. Yes, it was it was like sort of more resonant than than the one that we use on this show. Yeah. I was like that's interesting. But yeah, the town like doesn't care about the chicken ranch, but they're like you swore on national TV. <laughs> yeah. So they Bert goes to Dolly and he's like, "Look, 
lay low for two months. This will all blow over and you can open back up, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like almost definitely that's true. And she says, all right, sure. But then, oops, it turns out the big Texas, Texas A&M football game on Thanksgiving is coming up. And the winner comes to the ranch under the dollars of a senator, which is just all sorts of <laughs> There's bad. so much weird there. It's, there's so many layers of bad stuff that I'm, you're parsing through there. <laughs> just, like, so many. So, uh, Also, 80s football is insanely silly looking to me like the uniforms look so cheap and the the like because they show actual football footage and then they cut to actors singing and dancing but the like they all have the belly jer- shirt jerseys and they're like you know they look so much cheaper than than, than modern ones do and what, everybody's got what tape gays now wear to bars like in the summertime is what they taped. were wearing to actually play Bert also gives this kid a beer while they're watching the game as a celebratory thing. Like he's like, "Take a swig of this beer," which is why, yeah. as we said before, it's weird. This relationship's not very well defined. Um, we got a lot of dude butt in this movie. A, a lot, lot of really of cute dude butt. butt. Cause I was like, "Oh, this is a fun all dude dance number," and then all of a sudden I was like, "Oh, they're in jock. Oh, right, they're football players. So they're in jock straps and taking a shower." Cause sure, um, and it's a prison shower situation oh, yeah. where it's just five dudes in a little square box. Um, I always love, like, all male dance numbers always have an interesting energy to them as, uh, like, compared to other th- other ones in musical theater, because they don't happen that often. So I'm always like, oh, yeah. this is kind of cool to watch. And they're all really good dancers. They are, actually. Although the choreo is very strange. It's a good, it's a fun mix of, like, country line dancing, western dance, but also just musical theater, jazz runs, and West Side Story. Yes, it's extremely West Side Story. And also, I noticed, and there's a million logical reasons for this, but none of them are wearing cleats. Oh, yeah. They're wearing shoes. and But when they dance, it sounds like cleats. So there was a little oh, bit I of, didn't of catch foley that. trickery. And then they put on cowboy boots, and they're like clip-clopping again. But they when they dance, it's like a tappy sound, which cleats do sound like that indoors, but none of them are actually wearing mm-hmm. cleats. For safe, I mean, obviously, it's, it's it's so hard to walk on concrete in cleats. Let alone I, believe dance. Believe me, I've slipped and fallen before. Yeah. I have no judgment there, but I just it was funny that I just like, oh, they're not. Oh, it's fake. Ha, ha, ha. You tricked me, movie. <laughs> then they end up singing not only in the locker room, and then there's a pause when the senator comes in, and he's like, Let's all go visit the brothel together, boys. And then they cut to them on the bus. And there's it's an like awesome a guy shot. on the hood. <laughs> it is. It's gorgeous. But this dude is like sitting on the hood of the bus and dancing. And then dudes are hanging out the windows. Another dude is hanging out the door. It's just like this is a very Mad Maxian way to roll up to a brothel. It was. And then there was a weird moment where the um, the bus popped a tire. And yes. I was like, oh, is is this the police being like, hey, kids, the ranch is closed and i thought it was gonna like take a different turn than it did and then they just all piled into a truck which was an even cooler shot of very like muppety yes. dr teeth and electric mayhem it was so muppety i had the same note <laughs> so they get there so they get there and the women are all wearing these elaborate ball gowns instead of lingerie which seems odd until you realize it's like a stripped down hoedown number that yeah i doing. went these all look like two pieces that's an interesting choice, but it was the 80s, so two-piece prom dress makes sense. And I went, oh, the obligatory fancy ball gown scene that a lot of musicals have for no apparent reason. And then they all start tearing off their skirts to reveal that it's like the bodice is actually just a corset for their sexy lingerie. And I was like, oh, it is a two-piece. <laughs> My costumer, I did catch yes. that. 
<laughs> so there's a lovely little hoedown kind of number. They do some square dancing, and then they go upstairs with, with the ladies, and you know the lights go off and things happen. Meanwhile, Melvin Thorpe has shown up with his crew, and they're going to... First of all, they legitimately break into they this break place, and enter which drove me bananas. And yeah. take non-consensual naked photographs of people. Like, there's a lot of... <laughs> Yeah. illegal activity yes. that he has done. <laughs> yes. And no one bats an eye at that, but they're all just like, Oh yeah, sure. That seems like a fine thing to do. Um, and this is the scene we talked about earlier where Andrew remembers no nudity. No, I, I remember, remember there being nudity. nudity. I just don't remember there being nipples specifically. I mean, there were, I remember uh, there be, they were I, like not a lot of nipples specifically. I should say because <laughs> Dom DeLuise, there's a girl who is wearing a blanket, covering herself with a blanket. He literally yes. rips the blanket away from her and says, yes. take a picture. Like, yes. this is not okay. <laughs> that for is your, actually sexual assault. You your gotcha journalism. You mop headed idiot. <laughs> uh, and there's also a great, See that I love where Jim Neighbors go sees the reporters roll as like as they're rolling. Jim Neighbors sees the reporters goes to Burt Reynolds and he's like, "Hey, Burt, there's uh, there's all these reporters coming in. They're going to be you know going after these the women and like they're going after the ranch." And he's like, "Oh, that's awesome. There's nothing happening at the ranch. I told him to close down." And he's there. He, Jim Neighbors laughs at them and he's like, "Yeah, except you know it's the Thanksgiving football game." And then Burt Reynolds has this just look of absolute terror wash over his face and goes sprinting off to try to help. Meanwhile, at the ranch, Jewel has one camera guy in a headlock. Oh, it's beautiful. Like a perfect wrestling headlock. And then she grabs another guy by the collar of his shirt and yanks him over the balcony <laughs> like she's she's in a ro- uh, you know a battle royal and trying to throw guys over the top rope. I she love just, her. Like, <laughs> she was she turns into this like Hulk and just like throws yes. dudes down the stairs. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. The dude does a full flip over the railing and lands on a table that just like explodes underneath him. It's a great looking stunt. And so Dolly Parton is trying to call Burt Reynolds. He's on his way to her. She doesn't know that. And then. That uh, stupid-haired Dom DeLuise takes her picture and it says something snarky, and she like reaches under her bed and pulls out a twelve gauge, and is just like, "I don't <laughs> fuck around," and chases him down. And I, I, I wanted her to like blow out the back window of his van, or like I wanted like a fun like yes. kind of shot, like yeah. with the buckshot. Yeah. yeah, I wanted that moment. So Bert rolls in, and this is our big, like, everything is lost moment. They have a big fight. He, uh, Dolly basically berates him, and he ends up calling her a whore, which is just like, oh, you goon. Dolly fought like, it, how goes, you do this? he broke and entered in my home and invaded my privacy. Why aren't you doing anything about that? And he, Bert Reynolds like, Bert Reynolds like, we have plot to cover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we need to get very upset with one another for a minute because it makes the movie move forward <laughs> like but can we revisit her point her very valid point yes um, and then she because then she just lays into him like way hard and he retaliates by calling her a whore and it's just not yeah. okay brosif no and so now they're trying to link the news is trying to link the chicken ranch to organized crime yeah, it's a very strange connection he's trying to draw there. But this is my favorite interview with the local because they they are trying to like which of shows these because the they're all gems. Yes, but the best one is this old lady who's like, "My Frank went up there every Saturday night. It was my favorite time of the week." And then she goes, "Back then we didn't do this sort of thing. I understand that they do that now. We've been enjoying it now." It just, yeah. 
so good. <laughs> Deliciously good. Yeah, it's this awesome. Like again, I keep saying it, but I'm. It's super sex positive, which it's is a different. I was not what I was expecting from an '80s Texas musical. No, I was expecting more nor, of a footloose. Nor, nor I. Yeah. So we meet the governor, who's played by the actor who plays Papio Daniel in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, mm. where he also plays a governor. Okay. Um, and he's basically like, "Look, my hands are tied about this. You know, people people are upset. We gotta we gotta get rid of this thing. Like, people are unhappy. There's nothing I can well, do." Well, he he sings a song called "The Sidestep," and the whole number is just him not answering questions about the chicken ranch yes. and just being like. Yes. Well, I think American citizens are really proud, patriotic people. Ah, da, 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 da. And they're all like, wait, what? And he keeps disappearing and reappearing in other places, which over like the beginning of this number, I was like, mm, this is clearly a front of the curtain number while we do some stuff behind the scenes. But then the disappearing stuff happened. And I was like, oh, never mind. I like this again. It's also a pretty clever political joke stuck in this movie. Yeah, as well. this movie like, is really yeah, like progressive. Yeah. Because the whole thing is about how politicians refuse to answer questions. It's like, oh, man, that's, like, pretty clever. It's like when we watch 9 to 5. We're like, oh, nothing has changed. This isn't new. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting because I thought for um, plot purposes, Bert's town wife, as um, Dolly called her, I was half expecting her to be, like, leading the charge against the chicken ranch. Yeah. I th- that would have been much more logical if she was, like – inciting this hey this is a problem yeah it's leading to the downfall of our town yeah e- like even if it was just for a stupid reason of like i want burt reynolds to myself because my character driven by a yeah man, i was like half expecting it to go there but it didn't which is super cool yeah so burt ends up going to visit the governor and he's like pleading the case and he's like look it's not harming anybody it brings a lot of money into the town she provides a lot of charity there's like a million reasons to keep this and only one to take it away and that's because some people are upset but i don't like locally people aren't upset so like let us live our life and leave us alone and we'll be fine and then the governor is basically like no i, I did a he poll and the polls say close it down so that's it it's got to go the governor basically is about to agree with burt reynolds and then his assistants run in and they're like here are the poll numbers and he's like well, unfortunately, my constituents are against the chicken ranch, like 47 to 30 percent with, you know, 20 percent abstaining. So I have to do what they say. And I was like, it's kind of cool that he is a politician who's like going with what his constituents want. And it wasn't like some. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, well, that they're imagine what that's right? like. I can only but like imagine that crazy <laughs> musical world. I'm like, I'm that's the crazier world to me than the one where people sing and dance. Because <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, the the people like he's paying my campaign, so I'm gonna do what he says. It was like my constituents exactly. voted, so I'm going to follow what they voted for. And I'm like, I can't, I can't fault this governor for listening to his constituency because that's what that's his job. Although with twenty percent undecided, there's a little bit of leeway, but it was nice. Like you're right, I it's totally nice. Like it, yeah. So there's a big hooray for Melvin. People are like celebrating in the in the lobby of the building, the state. I house, literally wrote, and- "God, I want to punch Dom DeLuise in the face." <laughs> well, you get your wish vicariously because there's a great juxtaposition or great setup where he goes, "Oh man, I wish I could see Burt Reynolds' face right now." And Burt Reynolds taps him on the shoulder and yanks his wig off and then punches him. It's a great double smackdown of like, you're going to get yours, buddy. 
Yoink. Did you know that's actually what happened? No. The sheriff of the town where the investigative the investigative reporter literally had a bad wig. Like that's that's true. And the sheriff ripped his wig off in a fist fight and took it like he had scalped him like a trophy. So it's, and it then was like threw a high school him. like girl fight, basically. Just grabbed her the hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. It happened. I don't think it happened in the courthouse or state house. I think it happened in the town. But yeah, it was literally a fist fight between the sheriff and the reporter, and he ripped his wig off or his two is beautiful yeah i i this is a very entertaining wikipedia page like I, I i was enjoying watching the movie and looking these things up like i can't believe this every time there was a song i was like you know checking wikipedia and half paying attention to the songs like all right i get i see where the plot's going let me do a little research so he calls dolly to apologize and tells her like hey it's not in my control but you know the the place is being closed down it's you know it's nothing i can do the this order from the governor we gotta we gotta close the ranch and they're both referring to each other as like miss mona and sheriff i, I wrote all caps you love each other just say it <laughs> to be fair i would be pretty pissed off if i was her given that he calls her a whore and is really crappy i agree her. i agree but like they do love each other <laughs> they do they do so Dolly tells the the ladies like, "Hey, I'm really sorry. This is what it is. This is where we're at." And one of the women pipes up and is like, "Well, you know, at least the sheriff went to bat for us. That was nice to hear." And Dolly has not learned of this, and Bert didn't tell her himself because he's a buffoon. And so Dolly has this little change of heart, and then we get a sad packing up the house song where everybody's talking about what they're going to go do now that they have, you know, it's such a little bummer. To be. Oh, it is. And he. These poor girls like have to find new jobs now and move. It's like a family breaking up. <laughs> yeah, they had a they had a good thing going there. Everybody seemed to be happy and nobody seemed to be being taken advantage of. And then uh, our narrator chimes in to be like, "Well, now I'm the sheriff and Burt Reynolds is running for office and Melvin got run out of town." And I was like, "There's 15 minutes left. W- why- wait a minute. We <laughs> yeah. we can't be doing the wrap up. Here's where everyone is now for 15 minutes." <laughs> I was very confused as well. Like, there's there's so much. This movie either has the longest credit sequence <laughs> in history, or this is a very oddly placed, here's what happened next bit. No, the, the last 15 minutes after the credits is just Samuel L. Jackson being like, Miss Mona, I'd like to talk to you about the Avengers <laughs> Initiative. <laughs> We're putting together a team of highly skilled individuals. And you're going to manage them all. <laughs> and then Jewel would be their Hulk. To be honest, I'm kind of here for Dolly Parton as the, like, uh, Alfred the Butler-type character for the Avengers at the Avengers hideout. Like, I'm kind of here no, for No, I that. was picturing her more as um, Jean in Ghostbusters. Jarvis? Oh, yes, yes. I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. Friggin' that Olsen sister who's not one of the twins doing a weird dialect, and Dolly's just like, well, I don't know what you're saying, but there's a, there's a fire in downtown. <laughs> there's a bunch of, I think they're called Chitari. <laughs> They've come through a wormhole into New York City. It's the crazy thing. Y'all better get thing. going. <laughs> and as they, as they all fly away, she just stands in the balcony and goes, y'all come back now, you hear? I think she'd have to do, like, come back safe now. <laughs> yeah, y'all like come that. back safe, you hear? <laughs> and then Jewel is, like, watching Iron Man's suit and, like, really upset about the blood stains <laughs> on it. 
Do you know how hard it is to get blood out of metal? <laughs> she's buff. She's got the like sparking sander in her welding yeah, mask. Yes, yes, the, the 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 circular sander just spraying sparks. Marvel, yes, absolutely, make it happen. <laughs> Hire us. <laughs> um. So now that the Dolly has to move, and I, I never understood why, because I always assumed that was like her house. Yeah, I don't. That part is weird too. I think it's just a matter of she only has one way to know how to make a living. So she's going to go try to do it somewhere else. That's fair. Um, and then we get, I will always love you. Actually. No. Jewel says that they're going North to some city. I don't recall where, but there's a place that they're going and it's, it's up North. No, I I know that she's moving somewhere, but I never quite understood. I never, I didn't get why she was. Ah, Okay. Okay. Um, cause I would assume it was her house. Yeah, I thought it was uh, – yes, I definitely thought it was her um, And we get the original I Will Always Love You. Not No shade to Whitney. She does an amazing version of the song, but they're just – they're both so heart-wrenching. Yeah, and this is right after Bert has been like, look, let's get married. Let's, I want to marry you. And she's like, nah. No, she says, I've already thought about this, and if you want to be a politician, we can't do that. And it's like, ah, oh, Dolly. <laughs> I wish people could have seen your body ex- language and facial expression at that. She's it's very exaggerated. She's such a good person. <laughs> so she's singing the song, and Burt Reynolds is like, mm, actually, fuck this. And he goes into the back of the pickup truck, and he's like, which bags are hers? And Jewel starts pointing them out, and he just starts throwing them into his Literally truck. Literally throwing. Like it was over. a bit aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just like, you know, basically proving the point of like, you know, I don't give a crap about that. I'm I'm here for this. I'm here for you. Let's go. I don't care what people say. I love you. It doesn't matter. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And so they drive off into the sunset, and there's a sign on the chicken ranch that says closed on account of the TV. <laughs> and we find out that Ed Earl became a politician mm-hmm. and that Jim Neighbors became sheriff of the town, which definitely led to higher crime in that town because he is a Yeah, he's not a good good sheriff. But what we didn't learn is what happened to Jewel. And that is the only question that I needed answered. <laughs> uh, she did get to keep that sweet, sweet 45 record. Oh, player. yeah. She lo- she So she lucked out there. The jukebox. Now it's in the Avengers yeah. Tower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. That is such a stupid idea. But it's... <laughs> I would be so delighted. Someone at least needs to film, like, the short film version yeah, of that. Yeah, or just cut it together. So for it. Just cut scenes from this movie yeah. and drop it into an <laughs> Avengers trailer. <laughs> Oh, that would be a hoot. And then we get a um, recap so of the movie I was gonna sh- Yeah, we really do. Like, hey, here's what you just saw over <laughs> here's the last what you missed on so. The Best Little Whorehouse yeah. in Texas. <laughs> Previously on The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, even though you just finished watching it. Uh, so I was going to say there's not that many songs in it, but I was counting as we did, and there's there's at least seven, so that's not too, too short. I think there's or, uh, – I want to say there's 11. Here, give me a second. Well, there might be there might be more that get counted. Like it, sometimes they count to like the reprise, the prize reprise of a song is a different song. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But there's at least at least seven. Uh, there are nine. Okay. Is there any callback things no, it's there? Just, uh, twenty fans, little old pit, bitty piss ants sneaking around. Texas has a whorehouse, courtyard shag, Aggie song, sidestep, hard candy Christmas, and I will always love you. Okay. 
So I think the answer is very obvious that both of us are going to recommend this movie. Oh, a hard recommend. It's so good. Yeah, me too. And I like had you asked me to do that before I watched this movie, never in a million years would have been like, it's not going to be just a recommend, but like you should definitely watch this. Like, <laughs> really genuinely enjoyed this. And I don't really care for Burt Reynolds. And honestly, I don't think Dahlia Parton's a great actress, but this is like a perfect role for her because it's just all charm. And, yeah. and, and Dolly has a bag of tricks and that bag of tricks she is amazing at. And I feel like everything I've seen her act in has been like, just use those tricks. This movie is for those tricks. Like, like yeah. you're never going to put, she's never going to be Lady Macbeth. And I'm fine with that. No. But like, yeah, yeah. she'll be a great, she's great in everything I've seen her in. Yeah. I I really like nine to five and she's very good in this. But Steel Magnolias. There's a reason why. Oh yeah. That's, I haven't seen that, but yes, you love that movie. Um, yeah, I, this is an easy recommend for me. This is it's super, super easy. And I'm sorry the show is a little on the short side for us, although right around the hour tends to be the sweet spot. Uh, we, we try to stick to that anyway. But It's hard to uh, keep talking when you love something so much. Yeah, there's there's genuine like, and the other thing too is this movie. I expected to have to like, I was like girding myself for the the regressive sexual stuff that was going to be it, and it's really not. Like, there's a few things maybe nitpicky, but overall, it's like empowered women and people in the town wanting them to be empowered and and have the choice to do this work if they want to. And and yeah, like especially I think the glue guy, Jim neighbors, it just really helps hold this whole thing together. He's just a hoot every time he's on screen, him and jewel. I wanted more. of. I agree. I think that they, they would have been, I would have, the movie would have been better served with more of those characters, but it's such a, it's a good movie. Yeah. It's, it's a very good movie. Uh, easy, easy recommend. So yeah, definitely, definitely seek this out. It's, it's not too hard to track down run it on Amazon. Uh, I got it from my local library. Uh, <laughs> They have a. I really am glad they don't plug, track plug, plug, what plug, you plug. keep. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> this show brought to you by your <laughs> local library. Plum, plum, plum. Yeah, that would be the, uh, the the first endorsement we had. This show is officially endorsed by America's Public Libraries. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. We will tell you what's next in just a moment. But first, quick roundup of plugs. Uh, we did get a new review of the show, which I will read for you in just a moment. I'm excited about that. Uh, if you want to hear your review read on the air like the one you're about to hear, it's super simple. All you have to do is review the show. It's, it takes you less than a minute, and we read it on the air. And most importantly, it helps this show get out there. Along those lines, if you like the show, please tell your friends. The only way that we get out there is by telling people about the show. And frankly, our friends are sick of hearing about it at this point. <laughs> We're coming up on four years. So if you uh, if you like the show, please tell two friends. Uh, additionally, I mentioned this a couple episodes back, but I want to say it again. We are doing a... Uh, clip show or i would like to do a clip show for our anniversary so if there's any segments of the show or old bits or something that you think would be like a best of or a favorite let me know i'm trying to cut this together so it could be something you could send to people of like hey here's an example of what this show is but it'd be really helpful if you all out there were listening and were able to tell us what you like so let me read this review real quick this is from i hope i said this right Karinko ga k-u-r-i-n-k-o dash ga this is uh from uh, march 21st so sorry for the little bit of delay there Uh, I'm crushing hard for this consistently entertaining podcast. Funny, but still intelligent. Five stars. Love this. Thank you so much. That is really very genuinely nice. And we, we love, we love any review, good or bad, but it's obviously nicer to get the nice ones. What was her, what was her username? Karinko G-A, K-U-R-I-N-K-O dash G-A. So thank you so much for listening. I hope I said that right. 
So yeah, please review the show. It doesn't take that long, and we really, really, really appreciate that. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash dissectingthe80s. Um, you can give us a call if you'd like, and if you want to leave us a message about the show and or whatever, we might play some of these calls on the clip show for the uh, fourth anniversary coming up. We oh, have our 100th episode just around the corner. So if you'd like to leave a message for that episode, uh, it's 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T. So 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T. So if you leave us a message about the show coming up on the fourth anniversary, uh, we may play that during the anniversary show. We would we would love to get that if you guys out there want to want to throw a little, little hey, what's up our way. Uh, and you can always email us at dissectingthe80s at gmail.com, and it's at dissectthe80s on Twitter. I have rambled long enough about the wrap-ups. I think it's time to do the thing that people stuck around for, and that is to tell them what is next. We're starting our... Dissecting the 80s takes Manhattan series with Jason takes Manhattan. Basically rides a boat for most yeah, of it. Jason rides a boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we love the fact that these two completely unrelated movies both are essentially the same title, and we thought it'd be a great way to celebrate takes Manhattan. So we're making up a new holiday. Uh, Thank you all again for listening to the show. We really, really appreciate it. And as we approach 100 episodes, it's kind of awesome to have all these people come in and listen to our show. It really kind of blows our mind that there are people who listen to us. That's really, really special. And we really, really appreciate you out there. Uh, So thank you, first and foremost. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until May 7th. Y'all come back now, you (laughs) hear? Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.